The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And I've got a real treat for you today, and it's a treat for me, too, because I love sharing this with you. Uh, This week, um, my book that I have been hinting about, teasing you about, for the last several weeks has finally come out. It is called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. And uh, let me give you a little bit of a story behind the book. Um, Some years ago, I wrote a book called Bad Boys, as many of you know. Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them, and When to Leave Them. And when uh, I was going around doing a lot of media talking about that, guys, or even in uh, speaking engagements, guys would say to me, well, when are you going to write bad girls? So um, I finally got around to writing bad girls, and it was a really exciting, wonderful experience uh, that I'm going to share with you. Um, And, you know, it's so interesting. Bad Boys came out about 10 years ago. And there were, of course, lots of bad boys uh, at that time. And the number of bad boys has increased. And so the number of bad girls. There are bad boys and bad girls everywhere waiting to pounce. And why is that? Well, it's because with each decade, um, families are becoming more and more dysfunctional. There are more divorces and lots of other problems. And what essentially makes a bad boy... Um, is his dysfunctional relationship with his mother. And what makes a bad girl, well, what starts a bad girl, well, what makes a bad girl attracted to bad boys, as I wrote about before, was her dysfunctional relationship with her father. So what happens is that bad girls, or good girls, they start, everybody starts out good, and um, when, when good girls are hurt by this dysfunctional relationship with their father, in other words, they're made to feel as though they're not lovable. They then go out. They're attracted to different, the 12 different types of bad boys that I defined. And what happens? The bad boys are heartbreakers, so the girls get their hearts broken. And after either um, enough you know, pain, either from their father and or these enough bad boys, at some point the girl decides that it is just not going to happen for her. Nobody's going to love her. She's not lovable. Um, and you know when I let me what, let me clarify when I'm talking about you know when I when I did used to talk about bad boys uh, at first uh, well whenever and, and I even especially like at seminars and so on um, women would say to me oh my fa- I don't have a bad relationship with my father my father is wonderful 
Well, I'm not just talking about, although that's certainly one type of girl who's attracted to a certain type of bad boy, but I'm not just talking about um, fathers who were abusive, you know, physically abusive or sexually abusive. I mean, obviously, those are very dysfunctional relationships. But I'm talking about even fathers who, um, let's say they're workaholics and they're just not around. I mean, they're trying to do a good thing. They're trying to provide for their daughter and their family, um, but it takes them away. And so the daughter, the little girl grows up not really having had enough time with her father, and that's, that makes her feel unlovable. Or it could be a father who's depressed and he's not emotionally available, and so then that makes her feel unlovable. There's all kinds of combinations and permutations of these relationships, but the bottom line is that the little girl starts out wondering and thinking that she is not lovable, and this gets um, further confirmed when she has these relationships where the guys who she dates hurt her. And so at some point she goes, she decides, I'm never going to, never going to have a man who loves me. I'm just not lovable. And at that point, they take their heart off their sleeve and they lock it away. They harden their heart. And that's when they start to become a bad girl. So they decide that if I'm not going to get love, then I'm going to get something else. Um, And so we have, I'll tell you about the 12 different types of bad girls and what it is that they want. Each one of them um, wants something. So like, for example, we have the gold digger, who of course wants gold. Um, We have the addict, who wants an enabler. Uh, The sex siren, who wants to be uh, idolized for her sexual prowess. And then um, I'll go on with the different, the rest of the 12 types, the sexual withholder, the married woman on the prowl, who wants to have her cake and eat it too, the commitment-phobe, the husband hunter and trapper, she wants a picket fence, a husband stealer, she wants another woman's husband, ultimate damsel in distress, who uh, wants to be rescued by her knight, Um, the cougar, the ball buster, and the bad girl scorned. And I'll tell you more about these different types as we go along, but this gives you some idea. There isn't a specific type for the cheating bad girl. Why is that? Because bad girls in all of the 12 categories, the dozen dangerous damsels, as I like to call them, um, they, they, many of them cheat in whatever category they're in because they are after something. And so when they're not getting enough or when they've used up the guy they have, they've gotten as much as they could get from him, or if they see a bigger, better deal coming their way, you know, they're the bigger, better deal girls. And so they find no problem um, in cheating or even just dumping the guy. I mean, that's what happens with bad girls. Uh, just like the bad boys, the bad girls are heartbreakers. And so, um, so what I did after I defined the 12 different categories, 12 different types, um, I then went out and interviewed over 100 different men. And I fit their stories into each of the 12 types of bad girls. And these, these men are amazing, and their stories are amazing. And I have the best ones in the book. Um, each chapter has, uh, starts out with uh, what, what does this bad girl want, you know, each type, why does she want it, and why are men attracted to this type of bad girl. 
And then I have what I call real stories from the dating front, these men's stories. And then I have a list at the end of each chapter for um, celebrity bad girls, celebrities who fit into that particular category. And, of course, there are countless celebrity bad girls, um, as there are countless bad girls, you know, just in your own backyard. Um, let's see. I think I'll stop now and let's see what time is. Okay. Um, okay, I'll start with a story. I want to just give you a taste of some of the stories that I have in the book because some of them um, are really just amazing. <laughs> you know, and, and the constant is that all of these guys were still feeling the pain that they felt um, it was as if this had just happened to them, even though for a number of them, the bad, their bad bad girl story uh, sometimes was years ago, but it was still as fresh and painful in their mind as if it had happened yesterday. So I'll pick one, a gold digger, a story from the gold digger chapter, because unfortunately, with our economy being the way it is, there are more gold diggers than ever before. So here is a typical gold digger story. It's called Cinderella Buys Her Glass Slippers at Bloomingdale's. Growing up in the Midwest, Jessica fantasized, and these names, are, um, these names have been changed to protect <laughs> the guilty and the innocent. Growing up in the Midwest, Jessica fantasized about becoming Cinderella, and she moved to Manhattan to find her prince. When her friend had a fix-up party, she put on her finery and glass slippers and went after the richest man in the room. Stephen, that's the richest man was Stephen. Stephen was in his, la in his late 30s and had never been married because his career was driving his life. And this is what Stephen said. When I met Jessica, I was ready to settle down. She put on a great act. She wasn't the stereotype of a gold digger. That is, a woman who says, I only date guys who drive a BMW or take me to certain restaurants. I had a great salary and position at an ad agency. My parents had several homes, all in cool places. Jessica decided I was her meal ticket. Her family was working class, and they had real financial and emotional problems, but I only discovered this when it was too late. Jessica was very beautiful and intelligent, with a great sense of humor. She had a terrific job working for a foundation that was socially oriented, so I thought she cared about others. When we dated, there were many telltale signs of her gold digger agenda, but I overlooked them. Of course, she wanted me to pay for absolutely everything. When I sent flowers to her office, she'd say I was embarrassing her. And when I went on a trip and sent postcards every day, she complained that the neighbors saw them. Now, this is me again. Jessica apparently wanted, this is my, my commentary on this, Jessica apparently wanted to keep her relationship with Stephen secret, undoubtedly because she had a bigger financial fish on the line that she was trying to reel in. Stephen chose to believe that her embarrassment was only because she came from a dysfunctional family where she was not used to positive attention and affection. Then, after a few months of dating, Jessica pulled a Cinderella act and disappeared. And Stephen said... I thought we were broken up because she wasn't returning my calls. Two weeks later, she called and, like nothing was wrong, said, Hi, oh, I was just too busy to call. 
Then she told me her lease was up and claimed that since she wasn't getting along with her landlord, he didn't want to lease to her again. Her obvious solution, to move in with me. After she moved into Stevens Castle, Jessica told him she was having problems with her boss and wanted to quit her job. She got angry when he wouldn't go along with this, but hung in there until he married her a year later. Soon she became pregnant. And then Stephen goes on. About two months into her pregnancy, Jessica announced that she couldn't take the subway anymore because she was pregnant and therefore couldn't go to work. Yet she could take it to go to the gym and meet her girlfriends for lunch. She joined a prenatal exercise class. The women were well off. She was envious of these women who didn't work. They tried to outdo each other with their kids' birthday parties. For our son's first birthday, we rented out a hall and had it catered. It cost $2,000. After we had our first child, she felt entitled to my parents' money. My parents were well off, but I became successful on my own, and I did not want to ask them for anything. But when we bought the co-op she wanted, I had to ask my parents for a loan. Later, she threw a fit when I wanted to pay the loan back. When we had two kids and she still wasn't working, she asked me to call my parents for money. They gave us $1,000 each month. I don't know where the money went. I still feel ashamed. Jessica came into the relationship with a lot of debt. The money went as fast as I earned it. She needed a maid, nannies, a psychiatrist, a holistic healer, a trainer, private school for the boys, and whatever else was part of the lifestyle she felt entitled to. I don't do laundry, she insisted. So I did the laundry, the cooking, and the bathing of the kids. My friends thought I was insane, but otherwise she'd get teary-eyed, become moody, and break things. And a loving husband wants his wife to have what she wants. Soon it wasn't enough for Jessica to be a princess in Manhattan. She needed to move back to the Midwest to flaunt her good fortune before her family. There she cajoled Prince Stephen into setting up castle all over again. She needed the biggest house in the best part of town, fancy, fancy cars, and we're going to leave you on a cliffhanger here. <laughs> I'm reading to you from my new book. It's just out this week called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. And uh, we'll continue with Jessica's bad girl story when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Before the break, I was reading to you from my new book, which just came out this week, called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. So I will continue with the story of Jessica and Stephen, and then tell you a little bit more. Soon it wasn't enough for Jessica to be a princess in Manhattan. She needed to move back to the Midwest to flaunt her good fortune before her family. There she cajoled Prince Stephen into setting up castle all over again. She needed the biggest house in the best part of town, fancy cars, maids, nannies, and all the rest. But since fairy tale princes never run out of money, Jessica hadn't thought about how Stephen would be able to pay for this lifestyle once he left his Madison Avenue advertising firm. This, and Stephen says, I let her keep the books and pay the bills. I trusted her 100%. Only later did I find out that it was like the fox guarding the hen house. We ran through all our money in months. I started asking questions. She said she didn't know where the bills or receipts were. One time she said they were in her car. When I said, let's go look, she announced, I want a divorce. After we divorced, I found out that she had secret credit cards and had locked bank statements, checks, and receipts in her car trunk. She'd even stolen the money I'd put away for our kids' college fund. Whenever I'd say no, she'd gotten what she'd wanted anyway. She drained me of money. And once divorced, she falsified her income and expenses to keep child support high, but just the kids in rags while she bought $160 rain boots. What was her secret? It was like Survivor. 
The people who win are good at manipulating, lying, breaking their word. She knew how to keep me off balance by trying to get me to focus on my problems instead of hers. Don't look here, look over there. When I married her, I was not myself. Before meeting Jessica, the woman I'd wanted to marry had turned me down. And the other women I dated were physically attractive, but I couldn't put up with their low self-esteem. Jessica seemed very self-assured. She knew what she wanted. What Jessica knew was that she didn't want the same life as her mother, who wound up having to support her dad, who injured himself falling into a sinkhole when Jessica was young. He then became extremely obese and decided not to return to work. Jessica's father, an emotionally unavailable man, did not seem to care about the impact his self-indulgence was having on the family. It caused Jessica to grow up feeling angry and entitled to take what her father couldn't or wouldn't give her from the man she married. Stephen's attraction to Jessica, to Jessica's seeming self-assuredness, came from his admiration of his strong-willed mother, whom he dearly loves and to whom his family owes their wealth. She developed a thriving business while his father, though a loving man, was not a financial success. After the car shop he was given was broken into and the shopkeeper across the street was murdered, he quit and went to work for Stephen's mother. This sent Stephen on his quest to please his mother and win her love by being the successful man his father never was. Although he did amass amass a princely fortune, he feels that his life, once prosperous and filled with promise, has been spent. These days, Stephen takes it very slow and checks the woman's credit score before thinking of scoring with her. Well, that was a story about a gold digger. Um, I picked one that uh, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to. And uh, it shows a lot of interesting things. I mean, that's, what's, that's what is behind the psychology, behind, it's part of the psychology behind a gold digger. You know, she was looking, since her father wasn't able to or didn't want to, um, give her the things that she wanted growing up, and that to her proved that she wasn't lovable enough or else he would have gone back to work. Uh, she could found a man. She felt entitled to find a man who would give her these things. Well, that's, you know, um, <laughs> you know it's funny because uh, some of the stories, I mean, that's, I started with, with one that I thought was pretty relatable, but some of these stories get pretty... Um, I'm sort of worried that some people aren't going to believe that they're true, but I can promise you that um, these men, as I was saying, that you could hear in their voice, these the pain was still as fresh as when they first were hurt by their bad girl. So, um, so, so that's why. So, so in the let me um, in the in the first chapter of the book, I have. For women to take, and the, the book is for both men and women. It's for women to learn the secrets to a man's heart, and it's for men to learn uh, the how to beware the warning signs of all of these twelve types of bad girls, so that they can protect themselves, and also um, how to heal by reading these bad these bad uh, girl stories that these other men have gone through, so that they can sort of vicariously heal through these men who, um, you know, survived in any case. They're, you know, they, they um, were hurt and devastated and brokenhearted, some literally, 
by their bad girls, but they did survive to tell the tale. So, um, so I have in the in the first chapter of the book um, for women, I have the bad girls test. Uh, that is a test for women to take to see just how bad they are, you know. And and it goes, it's it starts, you know, with it has to do with or it includes things from the girls' childhood, things from their dating life. Um, a variety of things, and depending upon their score, they're either they go from a, a, a bad girl wannabe to a man eater. And then for men, in that first chapter, I have a sitting duck test because uh, this is for men to find out just how vulnerable they are to a bad girl. And this too starts with childhood and parents. And um, goes through, you know, all kinds of th- things like uh, a lot of the men or a number of the men were adopted, and so you could see where, for example, um, they would feel rejected by the first woman in their life, their mother. There are all these kinds of psychological reasons for why men go for certain types of bad girls and why girls become certain types of bad girls. So obviously, I can't. I'm just giving you highlights. I'm teasing you with highlights, but. Um, it's over 400 pages, so I can't give you the whole, the whole story, um, nor would I want to, since I want you to go out and buy the book. Um, but what's interesting from these stories, um, like the one I just read to you, you know, some women could read the stories and see what the bad girls, what tactics the bad girls used. You know, obviously after the whole book of, of stories, you know, not just one, but like from this story, for example, um, we saw that Jessica used a tactic that a lot of bad girls use, and that is moving in with the guy um, sooner rather than later with some kind of excuse. You know, her here, her landlord uh, didn't want to rent to her again. Uh, there are all kinds of excuses as to why bad girls have to move in because that gives them an edge. Uh, so that's one of, that's one of their tactics. Um, but I, I guess I, I, I do want to say... Um, that I am not trying to turn good girls into bad girls. That is to say, I'm not trying to turn good girls into addicts or husband stealers or any of the 12 types of bad girls. That's not the point. But good girls um, are frustrated by losing out to bad girls, whether it's that men uh, aren't asking them out and instead they're asking out the bad girls or whether it's they have a man and maybe even a husband who um, is with them, but then they get distracted by the shiny new toy of a bad girl. So for these frustrated women who are tired, sick and tired of losing their men to bad girls, this book sort of evens the playing field. Because what I do is distill out from these many stories in each of the chapters, each of the, the different types of bad girls, I distill out um, what I call the six secret spells of seduction. And uh, because, in other words, regardless of whether the bad girl is a commitment phobe or a ball buster or whatever, whichever you know, type, um, there are certain qualities that are um, consistent um, that, that these bad girls use to hook the men, and so I'm. I'm not. I want to really make that clear because um, I don't. You know, I don't want anyone to think I'm trying to turn women into these uh, into these types of, of bad girls specifically. But I want to give them the secrets. You know, how is it that these women 
who are so dangerous and so demanding and so um, out for themselves, how is it that they manage to keep these guys for as long as they do? Um, some some just date them, and then, as I said, they go off to a bigger, better deal guy. You know, I mean, a guy who seems to offer a bigger, better deal. Some of them marry these guys and drain them, like, you know, what we just heard about. Um, there are all different kinds of stories, but but I'm talking really about the good girls sort of enhancing themselves, not, you know, becoming bad and doing terrible things, um, but doing things that will enhance them, that will make them more attractive to these guys who will then at least notice them <laughs> and ask them out. And then the girl, the good girl, can eventually, the underneath good girl, um, the real good girl who's just sort of adopting some of these behaviors and looks and so on, um, the good girl can then eventually let the, the guy see how good she is and loving she is and all of that. But she still needs to keep some of the alluring qualities or else the bad girl, the, the I'm sorry, the, the guy even if they're married, will get tired of her. Um, I also wanted to uh, make sure everybody understands that uh, I am not judging these bad girls, even though I'm calling them bad. Um, they, As I explained at the beginning, the reason why they're bad is not because they're evil, but because they're hurt. They have been hurt. And this is a defense mechanism, essentially. They have resorted to um, getting something as a substitute, and it never really works as a, you know, it, like for example, Jessica never really felt um, loved. I mean, you know, she, he did love her, but because of her past experiences and not feeling lovable, uh, I mean, she kept wanting him to prove his love by buying her things. But those, those, that feeling of being loved was very transitory because you can, she wasn't able to make up for these bad feelings that she held about herself. So, so it's really kind of sad. I mean, these bad girls are sad. Yes, they wreak havoc, and it's certainly sad, maybe sadder for the men. <laughs> um, but, but they are not happy either. They may you know, look like party girls, some of them, and, and look like they're having fun, and sometimes they do. But really deep down, there's kind of an emptiness and a longing um, a longing to feel loved for who she is. So let's see, maybe I, this is a good time for a break, and then I will read you another bad girl story. How's that? You're listening to Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and I'm talking to you today about my new book called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. So stay tuned, and I'll read you another story, a bedtime story, so to speak. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. 
comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darlings, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your teams. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, reading you bedtime stories. Bedtime story. I know it's not bedtime. <laughs> I know it's not nighttime, but um, these are bedtime stories of another type. And I'm reading from my book. My new book just came out called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. And I'm just giving you some highlights and reading you some stories. And, of course, the, you know, I, I analyze, I talk about what makes each of these bad girls tick and why men are attracted to these types of bad girls and how men are vulnerable in general and how women, um, you know, how <laughs> give women a test to see how bad they really are. Um, and so on. So let's go to, go to the story, the next story. This story is from the chapter on sex sirens, and it's called Penthouse Pet of the Year. The other story started out in New York, so I'm going to the other coast. This one is in California. Kimberly's agent steered her across the room where he spotted Nicholas poolside at the Hollywood party they were attending. Nick had just been written up in The Hollywood Reporter, for having sold a screenplay after only two weeks in town. Hot new writer hits Hollywood, the headline blared. Kimberly had read it, too. They both hoped he could do something for her, like get her a part in a movie. She'd already succeeded in becoming a penthouse pet of the year and a Playboy centerfold, but what she really wanted to do was act. Nick called her a few days later, and they began a relationship. And this is what Nick said. Kimberly was gorgeous in a flashy sort of way, and she stopped traffic. She didn't start out as centerfold material, but she knew how to flirt, the way she dressed and moved. Her parents were nudists, 
so they made her get over being nude when she was young. I always wondered if it was legitimate nudity or inappropriate behavior. Kimberly wasn't completely estranged from them, but I never felt like I'd be brought home to meet them. Kimberly worked hard at reinventing herself, changing her name, hair color, and having her plastic surgeon on speed dial. She had her boobs done three times, each time bigger. Now anything even bigger would be grotesque. I kidded her and told her she looked like tomato plants on steaks with her breasts pulled up high. But Kimberly was the most boring woman in bed. Her attitude was, I'm Kimberly, a centerfold, turn me on. I had to envision her in the magazine to get turned on. She was just not into it. Later, I met other men who said they had to do the same thing. They thought they were the only ones. She was turned off emotionally and made no vocalizations. I felt like saying, are you awake? As pretty as she was, she couldn't give me an orgasm, or at least it took a lot of work. Why did I keep going out with her? It gave me street cred to say I was dating a penthouse pet. I got the reaction I wanted from people. They would say, isn't that Miss March? Or isn't that Kimberly? She went well with my Mercedes Benz. Though men who answer to the sex siren song do want to show her off and be the envy of other would-be suitors, their flippant remarks are really a defense against acknowledging how vulnerable they let themselves become to her and how much they were hurt when she dumped them. They're not as cavalier as they sound, but they don't feel it's manly to admit it. In fact, what kept Nick hooked were the glimpses of vulnerability he saw in Kimberly because this would mean she would be less likely to abandon him if she didn't feel as perfect as she looked on the outside. Every once in a while, I'd sense more depth than she'd show. Like with Marilyn Monroe, there was the movie persona and the hidden one. I'd realize Kimberly was a sad little girl. At Christmas, I was going back east to visit my parents. Before I left, I bought her a Christmas tree and gave her a Persian kitten. She was touched and thanked me for the whole next year. She was more appreciative than if I gave her a Lexus. I wanted to throw her in the shower and take off her makeup and big hair to make her more real. She knew she could do sex kitten, but didn't know if she could do vulnerable. Every time I allowed myself to feel something for her, she'd do or say something to smash my illusions. Kimberly, too, had illusions. Hers were about how talented she was as an actress though she got some small parts in TV shows and B-movies, mostly in shower or bedroom scenes, she was never taken seriously by casting directors. And Nick goes on to say, With her voice, she tried to be like Marilyn Monroe and got the role of the ditzy blonde. Our relationship became more about what can I do for you and what can you do for me. I tried telling her I was not able to do anything to get her into movies. As a writer, I got propositioned once a day by some of the most beautiful women. I told them, I'm prepared to let you do what you want to do to me under the table, but I can't do anything for you. Sleep with Michael Douglas. He's the one who can get you into the movies. After a year, Kimberly gave up hoping that Nick was her ticket to Hollywood stardom and dumped him to find another leading man who would take her from the casting couch to the silver screen. About 10 years later, when I was running a modeling agency, Kimberly came to me for representation. I found her a great photographer and helped her to build a legitimate modeling portfolio. I paid for her pictures with the understanding that she'd pay me back. 
She never did. One day I got a notice in the mail announcing that she was suing me because I was demanding she pay for the photos. Next I got a call from People's Court asking me to agree to try my case on national TV. I went on camera with the letter from the photographer saying Kimberly owes me the money. I thought it was a slam dunk. That month, Playboy had done a spread called Bimbos of Hollywood. Kimberly was in it. She brought the magazine to court and was circulating it to the audience who was in awe of having a playmate in their midst. Then she produced a letter from the photographer claiming the opposite, that she doesn't owe me any money. Both letters were signed and on his stationery. The judge was perplexed, and he ruled in favor of neither one of us, which meant that I didn't get paid. I was so angry because it made me look bad. I tried to console myself by thinking that no one would ever see the show, but it kept being rerun, and people would say, Hey, I saw you on TV. Kimberly walked out like she'd won the Miss Universe pageant. Kimberly never got married, though centerfolds usually marry well and quietly become legitimate. Now they're no longer Miss January. They're Mrs. L.A. Rams CEO or Mrs. Plastic Surgeon or the wife of some other big shot. Ironically, while Kimberly was trying to get Nick to open doors for her in Hollywood, his biological mother, unbeknownst to him, was trying to open those same doors for herself. In fact, it was to pursue acting that she gave Nick up for adoption 10 minutes after he was born. I didn't know if my birth mother was a hooker or the Queen of England. I was hoping for Whistler's mother. As an adult, I finally tracked her down, and she turned out not to be the sweet little old mom I was hoping for. She was a professional actress on Broadway and TV and a real diva. She abandoned me to pursue her acting career. She told me my birth father had taken off, claiming that I was not his son. She didn't want to have to live in her car and raise me by herself. She thought that if she kept her baby, she'd wind up as a secretary and never become an actress. It was all about her. My mom was strikingly pretty. She was like Betty Davis in the movie Cabin in the Cotton who brushed off her lover with, I'd love to kiss you, but I just washed my hair. She was in Lee Strasberg's class with, with Richard Burton. My mom was in the cocktail set and went to fancy clubs. My stepfather, the man she married after my birth father, after my birth father was an engineer who went along for the ride. He liked women who were flamboyant, although this made it hard to live with them. My birth father liked flamboyant women, too. Neither one of these men were flamboyant themselves. These men married women who were not like them, women who were the life of the party, who sing at the piano. It's like having the Cadillac you never drive. It's like Kimberly. You think, how can I enhance my image? When Nick found his birth mother, she initially slammed the door on him. When she finally acknowledged being his mom, she never said she was sorry for having given him up, nor that she would keep him if she could do it over. I asked her if she thought about me, like on my birthday. She said, I forgot what day your birthday was. Can you think of anything more painful, <laughs> a knife to the heart than that? Well, <clears throat> this, was, this exemplified a number of the things that take place in these bad girl, vulnerable men uh, relationships. And um, it's, you know, you can, from just the two stories that I read, you can tell that these are not men who are losers. I mean, these are successful men. It's not just about um, someone 
I mean, it's not, well, at least from the outside, they don't look like losers. You know, they're successful, they're good-looking, and so on. But it's the inner vulnerabilities, the feelings that they have about themselves, the self-doubts um, that really make them vulnerable to a bad girl. Well, why don't we take another break, and when we come back, I will um, give you some uh, examples of celebrities who fit into these bad girl categories. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, reading to you from my book, Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. So stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking to you today, sharing my excitement about bringing my new book. It's in the bookstores, and of course it's online, Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. And um, I just gave you two examples of stories, but there are many, many, many more. The book is over, over 400 pages, so there's lots of stories and 
lots of psychoanalysis of uh, of man, male female relationships. And as I was saying at the beginning, um, that's why I wrote the book because people need help finding the love that they deserve. Everybody de- deserves to find love and not have to trap someone into loving them uh, or not have to settle for a bad girl. So let me tell you about some of the celebrities that fit into these different categories. Uh, for example, gold diggers, we have Anna Nicole Smith, who, um, who got her Texas oil tycoon to marry her. Uh, Oksana, of course, who um, is still extracting as much money as she can from Mel while she still can. Uh, Addicts, Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears, Brooke Mueller, uh, Charlie Sheen. Brooke Mueller is Charlie Sheen, was Charlie Sheen's wife. And um, when she was pregnant, she um, abused substances. And Charlie has not really forgiven her for the fact that one of their children, one of their twins, um, has a heart defect, which, you know, it could well have come from what um, she was abusing. And so that really soured the marriage from that time on. Sex sirens, Marilyn Monroe was the biggest sex siren. Um, Madonna, of course, Samantha from Sex and the City. I, I'm a Sex and the City addict. <laughs> I love Sex and the City. I, it said so many things that were so true. And so actually, I've uh, each of those four women are in my book. Samantha is the um, sex siren. And um, Carrie is a commitment phobe, and Charlotte is a husband hunter and trapper, and Miranda is a ball buster. So, um, so now you know. Um, Brooke Shields uh, is a, a sexual withholder. She talks about, you know, ha- hanging on to her virginity um, for longer than she would have wanted, although it really wasn't that long. But in any case, it had to do with her being uh, playing a prostitute when she was a preteen in a movie, you know, being a nude scene in a movie. I mean, you know, obviously, um, what father <laughs> wants his daughter to play a nude scene in a movie when she's a preteen? Um, in any case, that sort of um, distorted her views about sexuality and about her body. Buried women on the prowl. Uh, Tish Cyrus is one that's in the news now. Of course, it's still rumors. I'm not saying that necessarily she had a physical sexual affair with uh, Brett Michaels, but at least it seems like they had an emotional affair if it wasn't consummated. Um, commitment foe besides Carrie, there's Pamela Anderson. Um, she got married really quickly at the beginning, but, you know, first the first time and then after that, she's, you know, been... She's ended relationships with guys. Um, she can't seem to settle on one. Husband, hunter, and trapper, uh, Jessica Simpson, and she just trapped a guy, <laughs> a husband, another husband, and Nadia Suleiman. Um, what, pe- what a lot of people don't realize is that the reason why she got impregnated with so many eggs was be- from the same donor was because she was hoping that eventually, when she had enough children, he, the donor, who was just a friend but who she obviously had a crush on, would marry her. And, of course, that hasn't happened yet. Husband stealers, there are a lot of them. The best known is perhaps Angelina Jolie, stealing Brad Pitt from Jennifer Aniston, Julia Roberts, stealing Danny Motor from his wife, Riel, his wife, I'm sorry, his wife, Vera, Riel Hunter, um, ruined a presidential hopeful uh, marriage and career. Um, 
the ultimate damsel in distress, you know, that is a, sort of a prototype is Blanche Dubois from Streetcar Named Desire. Cougars, lots of cougars. I say the cougar is the new black. There are more and more of them. Demi Moore, Susan Sarandon, Linda Bolea, um, Ballbusters, Sarah Palin, Martha Stewart, uh, Bad Girl Storned, of co- Scorned, of course. The, the prototype is Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. She played Alex Forrest. And interestingly, after that movie, there became a lot more women became bad girls scorned. You know, and of course, Monica Lewinsky with the blue dress is another example. What happens there with the bad girl scorned is that um, she doesn't want to be abandoned by her man. She'll do anything to, to not be abandoned. And once she senses she's going to be abandoned, um, she stalks him or she... Um, wreaks revenge on him. I mean, the blue dress would be an example of revenge, although probably there was some stalking going on, too, um, to the extent that she could. Uh, there was, in fact, before it became public. But, um, and, and that's, I end the book with a story, uh, well, I mean, the end of the, the last chapter is the secrets, uh, bad girl secrets to a man's heart. That's for the good girls. But the last type of bad girl, the bad girl score in that chapter, um, I end with a story, an incredible story, about a guy who um, eventually realized that he was with a bad girl scorned with a sort of a crazy person <laughs> uh, who didn't want to be abandoned, and um, she did incredible, unbelievable things to um, to try to keep him. So those are the celebrities. Those are some examples of the celebrities. There are many more. Um, and let me tell you how what you can do to, uh, to what you <laughs> what you can do now if you want more. Um, first of all, you can go to my Bad Girls website. It's uh, not 100% complete. It's still Some of it is still under construction, but there's uh, a lot there that's very interesting. Um, it's badgirlsbook.com, badgirls, girls is plural, badgirlsbook.com. And then, of course, if you want to friend me on Facebook, facebook.com slash askdrcarol. And... Uh, and then, of course, the number one thing <laughs> after you've done all that would be to go into your local bookstore and uh, buy the book. Um, I mean, you know, I, of course, I'm, you know, I mean, that sounds so incredibly obnoxious, but the truth is that um, that really we all, I mean, so many people need help in not getting to be with the bad girls, the bad boys, the you know, the bad men need to to understand recognize the bad girls when they start coming towards them, when they, when they pounce, um, before they get too entangled in the relationship where they can't get out, <laughs> unless they're going to be kidnapped and almost killed. Um, oh, and certainly for the good girls who are frustrated being left on the shelf when the bad girls are getting all the men. So it's for all of you. And um, I dedicate the book to men and women to help you find the love you deserve. And that's really, that's my hope for this book. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 